You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Wednesday, so it's time to speak to Joanne Bainham, who's from Sterling Private Wealth in Cape Town. A beautiful day in Cape Town, I understand, Joanne. Oh, absolutely beautiful. The blue skies, green trees, it's just lovely. Summer's coming. It's great. Mm, yeah, thanks a lot for that. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to sweep the roof terrace of the, the six inches of rain that's on there at the moment because the drain is blocked. But let's move on to other things that are blocked as well, and that is the global supply chain. And unfortunately, it is manifesting itself in ways that we hadn't, couldn't even have imagined two years ago, nearly two years ago. Joanne, and, and suddenly things aren't quite as rosy as they should be, given the fact that we are sort of post-pandemic. It's a good point, actually. We're sort of post-pandemic. I saw a really good article from the Fed on the kind of inflation that's picking up in the system at the moment. And back to your supply story, you know, we can't um, blame base effects anymore. So back to your post-pandemic comment. This now looks like it's much stickier than central banks anticipated. The supply chains are becoming a lot more disruptive than they thought. This is not just a demand story. And I think as the world economy slowly recovers, uh, one of those factors may be inflation. So I think the markets have been a little bit caught offside by this. Because remember, the rhetoric has been, oh, it's transitory, it's transitory, don't worry about it. But if you look at what the Fed is now saying a lot of their commentaries, it's picking up in lots of areas. It's not like just used cars, for instance, that are going up in price. We're starting to see the inflation picking up in lots of areas. Um, so it's one to watch. Just on this subject, though, because, I mean, everyone's debating inflation at the moment. I'm not in the camp of hyperinflation, but, but I do think this inflation is a lot stickier than people had originally anticipated. Yes, I think so, too. And when I see the natural gas price and the oil price, and I talk about it every day and people switch off when I keep on banging on about it. But to be fair, since the beginning of the year, and in fact, the end of last year, I started talking about the CRB index and it's gone to another multi-year high overnight. Inflation is a reality. I looked at the coal price today, for example, and let me just get that up. I mean, this is good for South Africa because we, we produce coal, but um, it's not good for the world because the world shouldn't be burning coal. But unfortunately, it has to burn coal because of supply shortages uh, in gas, uh, particularly in the UK. Oh, today, by the way, it's up 12.3%. Mm -hmm. On the week, it's up 28.3%. On the month, it's up 51.4%. And on the year... 235% higher for coal, for goodness sake. And we still use a lot of coal. We do. And I think what we're seeing at the moment, as the world is trying to become more ESG friendly, the problem with that is the long-term goal is a fantastic one. I know 91 has spoken to you about your program many times about the energy transition issue, especially for emerging markets. Yes. The problem is we had this great idea. Let's have all this clean energy because that's what the world wants. And, you know, Greta Thunberg reminds us every five minutes we're all going to die. So what's happened, an awful lot of companies around the world have said, well, we refuse to put money into CapEx project into dirty uh, energy. So right. coal, natural gas, oil, etc. Well, guess what's happened? There's been no CapEx in these projects. And now suddenly they're finding out the renewables don't work quite as well as they'd hoped. Guess what? It's not as windy or there's not enough sun or the battery technology hasn't caught up yet with the kind of demand we're looking at. And there's been a rush back to dirty, dirty fuels, which is what coal is. But there's certainly no supply of it because there's been no capex. So I think as I sit here in this program a few times, I think ESG is also hugely inflationary for the world. Ultimately, it's obviously very, very important. We have to go that way. But in the short term, we're going to see these spike pressure because no money's gone to these new projects. And that's why you're seeing oil prices going up, why you're seeing coal prices going up, etc. I mean, I believe, I think at the China at the moment, they've got something like two weeks worth of coal 
on different in, in terms of what they can use for electricity. I, I mean, I struggle to believe this. I think there's something like India's got three days worth of coal, probably be more, but still you get, you get the idea. There's not a lot of coal around. And we're going towards the Northern Hemisphere winter. So, so things are getting very interesting indeed. And whilst I don't believe, you know, oil prices will double from here, I, I do think they might stick around at these higher levels longer than people are anticipating. I think so too. As we speak, natural gas has actually come off by 3.5% and Brent crude oil and West Texas crude both down around about 1%, but still at highly elevated levels. 25 basis points was the interest rate rise in New Zealand this morning, Joanne. Now, I know New Zealand's only a tiny country. It's only got 5 million people. It's apparently quite good at something called rugby. It does, uh, it, it does well for itself, but it is tiny. But on the other hand... It is getting ahead of the curve, I think. It obviously has to import most of its stuff because it's such a small place. But on the other hand, it suddenly said, no, prices are rising. Let's curb this. 25 basis points. Is it significant? Is it a, a shot across the bowels of other countries? Look, I'm not sure how significant it is, but I thought the interesting comment from the central bank was that it wasn't because of inflation necessarily they were doing it. They just wanted to start to slowly normalize interest rate policy as economic growth picked up. And I think that's eminently sensible. You know, if the Fed had normalized policy many years ago, they wouldn't be in the pickle they are now. Because we have a situation in the world today where interest rates are so low, they don't quite know what to do with themselves. Interest rates should be much higher for the kind of economic growth we currently have. So, And the world has become so obsessed by low interest rates and the amount of debt in the system that central banks have really painted themselves into a corner. But in terms of, you know, is it a shot across the bar? I think the Fed is already telling the market. They told the market two weeks ago we're going to start reducing the amount of liquidity in the system. And, and the market that time, if you remember, kind of rallied and fell again. I think the Fed's saying things are getting better and interest rates are too low. We need to start raising them. They also talk, well, no, sorry, take liquidity out of the system. But they are talking about raising interest rates in 2022. If, if you believe that the world economy is recovering, then, then why should interest rates be as low as they are? So I, I think New Zealand's probably correct at the moment. The only problem is how much can they raise by before the markets get a serious case of the jitters? Because right now the markets are looking very uncomfortable to me. Yeah, I, I, th I think so too. And also the post-pandemic world, there will be books. There are books at this very moment being written about what the world went through, what we went through both uh, socially, economically and socioeconomically. And what I find extraordinary is the amount of job vacancies there are worldwide and the lack of people applying for those jobs. Do you know in the United Kingdom they need, I think they need something like um, 80, 90, 100,000 uh, HGV, heavy goods vehicle drivers. So what they did was to relieve the burden, uh, the pre-Christmas burden, in a small way, they granted 5,000 visas for lorry drivers to come in from uh, Europe. They got 127 applications in the first week. 127. Normally you'd think, gosh, look at all those jobs and they're, they're paying 50, 60,000 pounds a year uh, on a monthly equivalent. And nobody, nobody wants it. I find it very, very strange what's, what's, what's happened in this world that we've suddenly inherited. Look, I think there's the wage inflation argument in the UK. A lot of it's behind is because of Brexit. So to your point, you know, opening up visas. I mean, in a more fluid market, they probably wouldn't be experiencing this. Um, the Brexit's getting, I mean, Boris Johnson's getting the absolute hiding in the press at the moment, given his talking about, oh, but Brexit's actually been good because now we can increase wages. And they're going, wait a minute, I thought Brexit was supposed to be good and we'd have cheaper goods and services. So people are pretty unhappy in the UK. I mean, mm. UK, a lot of countries looks like a pretty unhappy place to be. And, you know, with rising oil prices and rising energy prices, it really isn't great. And they do seem to have very bad unemployment numbers at the moment in terms of not enough people for jobs. 
So you're going to start seeing wage inflation, I think, pick up considerably. In terms of the numbers I look at, the UK looks like one of the worst areas at the moment in terms of just not enough people for jobs. Look, when they start cancelling the text and the post, it'll be a different story. And I think they are starting to do that. But but there definitely does seem to be a bit of, I think maybe COVID's taught a lot of people they can live on less uh, and money isn't everything. And if you have a horrible job you hate, maybe look for a job you don't hate as much but pays you less but gives you a lifestyle choice. Who knows? We, we, we won't know for ages what, what COVID's brought to the markets. But I think the UK is definitely struggling with an inflation problem at the moment, particularly on wages. And you see it in lorry drivers. So, yes, I mean, this transitory story, as I've said in the beginning, is looking less and less transitory. You know, you, as you and I are chatting now, we've just seen a number come through in the States on mm. the ADP jobs data, private yes. sector jobs. And the market is expecting 430,000. They've come in at 568,000 new jobs being created. Mm. So it's a very buoyant economy there at the moment. So you can see, back to the Fed, I think the Fed, like New Zealand, the Fed or central bank, is going to have to think about raising rates. Now, what does this mean for markets, which is much more interesting, okay? I think if you've been long growth assets for a long time and long speculative assets, long duration assets, I, I continue to believe you'd be, you should start pivoting your portfolio more towards the value sector of, the, of your funds. So if you think economic growth is picking up, you want to be beneficiaries of inflation. And a lot of cyclical companies will do well in a more buoyant economic growth and more inflationary environment. And a number of value managers have been talking about that for a number of months now. But I do think if things are getting better, that's where you want to be. But in between, between kind of moving over from growth to value, I think markets are going to be very unhappy. Because if you think about it, we've had a growth rally for 10 years now. So it's not going to all be just swap over to value, everything's fine. It's going to be tricky. No, no, it's, it's a gradual thing, as, as I've always used it. It's a gradual thing. You know, you, if you're trying to knock off a, a vending machine, um, you know, you, you rock it a little bit from side to side. And only, only when it starts to get some momentum do you push it over completely. I mean, I know it's a frivolous example, but uh, you, you have to do it gradually. And gradually it is. I mean, it's two days value, one day growth, and it, and it goes on. Yes, we, exactly. we, we, we've seen that uh, recently. What are you doing at Sterling Private Wealth for your clients now? Are you advocating taking some insurance here or being cautious here? Uh, the, the reality is we've been cautious since January of this year. You know, for us, valuations have not been compelling. Uh, liquidity is not a good enough reason for us just to be in the markets. So most of our clients said it's sort of 67, 60, 65% equities. But, you know, obviously, it's completely reliant on the kind of tolerance, the risk tolerance of the client. So clearly, someone is very risk adverse would not be anywhere near there. And for younger clients, you'd have a higher equity weighting. But on a perfect basis, we, we have had a lot of cash for a long time, and we haven't put that money to the market yet. We're waiting for a proper sell-off. You know, so far, the markets have fallen, what, by 5%? Mm. Uh, and so that's not, uh, inverted commas, exciting enough for us to go and put our money back into the markets. Markets still remain quite elevated. I think there's a lot of risk out, there's a lot of risk out there. you having the punch bowl slowly being removed from the markets. You have a number of companies where the earnings are starting to roll over, and you have a number of companies complaining about inflation in their, in their company calls. So I, I, don't know, I don't think now is the time to rush in. Having said all that, though, we are looking into underneath the index levels because the indices might be down 4 to 5%, but a number of companies are down a lot more than that. So we are starting to sharpen our pencils looking at some new opportunities. And in that area, I think, you know, sort of value shares remain where we want to be invested. And some of these commodity companies are also looking interesting now. So whilst I agree that you might not want to be long iron ore because the property sector in China I think some of the, you know, platinum, palladium, rhodium, 
there's been some massive sell-off in some of these companies. And I think that's starting to look quite interesting, especially on the JSE. Yeah, so it's a stock picking and an asset picking market for you as a wealth manager at the moment, Joanne. Yeah, it is. I mean, I think we've, like I say, we've been cautious probably too early, but one can never get timing perfectly right. We're not rushing back in the market yet. I, I still remain quite nervous about these markets. And look, they keep surprising us. Maybe next week they'll be up five again. This is what we've seen for years now. But, but from a margin of safety perspective, I'm quite uncomfortable. And I think we're going into a new environment of higher inflation, um, higher interest rates. It's a very different environment than the one we've been in the last 10 years. And I think you must be very careful at the moment. Joanne, thank you very much for your wisdom. That's Joanne Boehner from Sterling Private Wealth in Cape Town. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organisation, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.